Bonjour. I'm Terrence Galenter, your American friend in Paris, coming to you almost live and almost every week from Café Terrence in Paris's Troisième Arrondissement. This program is being sponsored by a generous contribution from the Billy Cohn Collection. with me from uh, Austin, Texas, home of the Texas Longhorns, Bookham Horns, is Professor Noah Eisenberg, who spends his time between uh, Austin and Fredericksburg and Brooklyn. Welcome to Paris, Noah. Thank you very much, Terrence. Good to be in Paris. We'll always have Paris. Always. Uh, always shall. We'll also always have Casablanca, which is the title of a the most recent book before you started writing about Billy Wilder. Uh, talk about Billy uh, just before we get into the uh, the new book, Billy Wilder on Assignment. Uh, I know you're doing a Billy Wilder, kind of a semi-monograph for the Yelp Jewish Live series. Was that a byproduct of this research, or did that precede this? It was the perfect storm. Um, as my, my, my wife likes to say, these are my wilder years. And uh, I, I had long wanted to do this collection of the, you know, the interwar writings of young Billy Wilder. I, I, I'm a reader of German. I spent a, lot, a long time living in Berlin, Munich, Vienna, and other parts of German-speaking Europe. And so I had access to these texts, and I really, really wanted to make sure they made their way to an Anglo-American audience. So that was on my radar for sure. For the same editor and publisher for whom I wrote the Casablanca book, I signed on to do a book on Some Like It Hot. Uh, so that's 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 the next uh, project. This, this is Norton. But Nor it's... Norton and Faber and Faber in the UK, but yeah, Norton in the US. Um, and so I happily agreed you know I, I I pitched the 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 idea and and they were they they were excited so I'm going to be doing that book next and then finally lastly the book that you mentioned um, which came to me from the Yale Jewish live series and that's they've got a great series as you may know well, I've interviewed um, several of these writers yeah yeah it's a wonderful series and it was in the hands of one of my friends and she was just had too much on her plate I will not divulge I will not name names but she had too much on her plate at the time, and she said, "You know what? You're really uh, a film scholar and a, and a Wilder scholar. This 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 really ought to be in your hands." So so uh, I was lucky enough to to be commissioned to do that. So that's the order: the Billy Wilder well, assignment. In, in is reality, out as a, yeah. In reality, you're doing research for three books simultaneously. It's correct. I mean, correct. Do you, does the writing? Do you stop to write one, or are you? partially writing oh, as you work that, that, that the writing <laughs> the research i could do research until the you know the uh what cows is it come home. yeah cows come home there you go i, I was thinking roosters particularly in yes. austin yeah exactly the cows come home um but the writing and i i i love to write and i think i've gotten a, a little bit better over the years at writing um that's hard to squeeze in hard to squeeze in especially now while chairing this big department radio television film uh, at ut and so that's been tricky to juggle that time. But I, 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 I am working on, so the one book is out as of yesterday, which is very exciting. Yesterday was pub day for Billy Wilder on assignment. Hurrah, that one's out. Um, I'm working on finishing up the Some Like It Hot book, and I believe it should be done if everything goes my way by December, not the coming December, but the one after that. And then I'll shift gears a bit, but you're right, uh, Terrence, the, the, the research will be there. The research on Wilder is there for the, for, the, for the short interpretive biography. 
uh, of Wilder for the Yale Jewish Live series. So hopefully I'll really hit my stride and be able to have a very prolific few, few years ahead of me. So that's... You know, Morris says Zolotov is gone, so I guess you're yeah, the guy, exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. And look, the Ed Sickoff biography is wonderful. And, right. and look, it's going to be a very different biography than that biography, which is, you know, a sprawling doorstop of a biography, very, very detailed. As you know, the Yale Jewish Life series is, is a bit more interpretive, and I have a little bit more lassitude, I think, in terms of uh, how I want to approach Wilder, but it, it, it's narrower in scope in the sense that these books tend to be about, you know, they run about 200 printed pages. And uh, well, I think they come with a, a point of view where you yeah, kind of exactly. whittle down a, a thought, an idea, and then worked on it for 200 pages. Right. And the, the bridge here, Terrence, will be, and especially since you're talking to me from Paris, the bridge will be the, the sort of the European Wilder to to the American Wilder, and that's really the the the, the, the angle of, of of attack, and that's why these these uh, you know these early writings by Wilder, beginning when he was a mere nineteen years of age, are so very important. I think they're important for people who previously wouldn't have had access to them because they were all written in German, um, but they'll also be important, I think, as as something of a foundation for for that inter, you know short interpretive biography you know, as well. I was well. first aware of his uh, journalistic work through the uh, Otto uh, Friedrich's book City of Nets. There's a chapter where he talks about that quite specifically. And when I interviewed Billy in 1994, he was 80. I had an hour with him in his office on Brighton in, in Beverly Hills. Yeah, you mentioned. Yeah, and since I knew he was a journalist, at the end of it, I had said to him, Billy, you know, I have it on very good authority. You've been known to keep photographs here. Yeah. Furthermore, you've been known to autograph them. And he comes around in a little black and white headshot to which he signs for Terrence Galenter, thank you, I hope, Billy Wilder. So, <laughs> so that and my Cartier watch go to my son when I die. Yeah, there you so, go. Yeah, so those are some, those some prized possessions. Uh, oh, that, was a, uh, that, that was a... Yeah. How do you how do you how do you talk to Michael Bay after you spent an hour with Billy Wilder? <laughs> well, I wish that I, I had the chance to to interview him. As you know, in Paris, the French edition just came out of Jonathan Coe's Mr. Wilder and Me, which is a great uh, novel uh, that is largely uh, you know built around uh, uh, dialogues that, that that Wilder had not with you, Terence. Mm -hmm. But with uh, a number of, of others, uh, including Is Diamond, you know, his, his, his sure. last great writing partner, I.A.L. Diamond, Is Diamond. Um, and there's an unpublished memoir that is completed. And I'm really eager to, to read that. Jonathan Coe had the chance to, 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 to read that. And he wrote a, a, a knockout a novel, I think. I'm a big fan of Mr. Wilder and me, he, and which, he, which is now out in French. In the French US? It was not, and I had to order it from the UK. I, I actually have uh, oh, family. But it was published in English. It was yes, 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 yes. It was. It was published uh, in in English by Penguin, if I'm not okay. mistaken. And for whatever reason, he, uh, you know, Jonathan Coe and I have been exchanging notes here and there. And this is the first of his novels that, for whatever reason, didn't didn't end up appearing uh, in an American edition. So I'm hoping that will change. It's it, it is a terrific. Terrific novel, and I've been seeing this, but getting lots of great press in, in in France as well. I might try to read it in French just for the experience. There you go. Because I when I when I met Billy, I initially spoke to him in French. You know, bonjour, <laughs> and then yeah. we went off. Then we went off into English. But I want to go back to the you're obviously you're very very filled with knowledge of, of Weimar, uh, Edgar G. Ulmer, who I actually was aware of through the Black Cat. 
We had a series in New York in the early 50s. I was about 10 years old called Shock Theater. Yeah. And they showed Dracula, all the old great universal films. Yeah. Black Cat yeah. with a very, very strange uh, uh, Boris Karloff as kind of a, a devilly, uh, a real devil, yeah. if you will. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and and uh, Bela Lugosi, uh, and then who knew that he would be? He was detour, and that he also participated with the two Siadmaks and Fred Zinnemann as the cameraman on Mention on Sontag. Which so Billy, you, which Billy Wilder scripted, and so that scripted, was sort of the yeah. yeah, exactly. So that was sort of the entry point uh, for me, and in, in that I worked with these 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 you know various texts that uh, or article you know journal, journal articles. That, that the young Billy Wilder had, had had filed as a you know as a freelance writer, freelance journalist in, in Weimar Berlin, and done so when writing the the the, the biography of, of of Omer, Edgar G. Omer, a filmmaker at the margins, that appeared with University of California Press back in 2014, and then also even before that, I was lucky enough to be asked to write the liner notes for for uh, uh, People on Sunday uh, when when Criterion released uh, their DVD and Blu-ray in the summer of 2011. And so in both instances, I had the chance to work with some of these, these writings by the young Billy Wilder. And it was at that time, if not before, that I really realized these, 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 these articles need to reach a, a, an English-speaking audience. It's not fair. <laughs> I was well, thinking, go back. I, 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 yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I've watched, uh, I, I've watched a mention, mention but uh, how do you write a silent script? Yeah. So, look, the story goes like this. So mention on Sontag, People on Sunday was one of the great uh, uh, silence and, and a late one too. It was they, 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 exactly. It was uh, February thirtieth, the Ufa Palast am Kurfürstendamm. They they premiered there, and uh, they they shot it over a number of uh, uh, of weeks in the summer of twenty nine together. You mentioned that very distinguished uh, crew, uh, Fred Zinnemann, who I think was mainly. I think he's a photographer on that film. Yeah, well, well, Eugen Schriftan. Schriftan was uh, oh, right. Shufi, as he, as, he was, as he was known affectionately on these shores. Shufi, he was the, 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 the veteran cinematographer. He'd go on to win you know, uh, uh, an Oscar for Best Black and White Cinematography for The Hustler uh, in the 1960s. But Schriftan, who'd also done great camera work on Lang's uh, Metropolis, he, he was the, the, the credited DP, the credited cinematographer on that picture. Cinnamon was apparently... <laughs> There's the story. Look, there were a lot of stories generated, and you can imagine a lot of these people on that set, especially Billy Wilder, were known to have the gift of gab, and so there were plenty of stories that came out of this. But one of them was that Zinnemann basically he, he held the reflector. He that was his job. He held the reflector, and I think carried the cable. Um, but they 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 worked on that film in the summer of of, of, uh, of 29. It was an independent production, and, and was a very conscious kind of uh, self conscious snub of the glossy. Uh, big budget films that were coming out of Ufa at the time, and this was done on a shoestring budget, and 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 done for a the, the one-off production company that they called Film Studio in 1929. Um, and this, your question though, as to while their script, it was said that he dashed, you know, sort of stray ideas on napkins at the Romanisches Café on Kufersendam, where a bunch of artists and Bohemian types, writers. Uh, painters, poets, dancers, cabaret artists would meet, and you know, with you, for the price of one one cup of coffee, you could sit there all day and read the, oh, the true low lives of exactly life. and schmooze and and, and and kibitz and all that. So that's what the that's where you know Wilder would go. And as it turns out, in this collection, Billy Wilder on assignment, there's a wonderful essay called Berlin Rendezvous, 
which among other things lists a, a favored uh, location at the at the at the Zoologische Garten, the, the Berlin Zoo, the, the railway station there, for romantic trysts, and that's precisely where young couple in People on Sunday and Menschen am Sonntag go. So you can see how Billy Wilder is kind of he's getting a little bit of a twofer out of his writings as a journalist, and that he's also kind of concocting at least the vague contours of some of his later work as a as a screenwriter. And you can also see some embryonic. Uh, 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 versions of what he would also go on to write once he made his way to Hollywood. For instance, the arrival of the Manchester-based all-girl dance troupe, the Tiller Girls, and he writes on them and he's just absolutely enraptured at their arrival at the Westbahnhof railway station in Vienna, and he writes as a, as, as a 19-year-old about their arrival, and, you know, you can just see very, very easily how he would many decades later, together with Is Diamond, would be writing that scene when Marilyn Monroe would strut by Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon uh, at the Chicago uh, train station to board the Florida Limited for Miami. And you can see, and again, with the all-girl Sweet Sue and her society syncopators, and in fact, there's even a, you know, Joan Shawley plays, memorably plays a, a Sweet Sue in that picture in, 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 in Some Like It Hot. Um, there, there is a, a, a similar Joan Shawley type of character who is leading these young women, members of the, of the Tiller Girls dance troupe around. And you can, again, you can just sort of see how the young Wilder is beginning to come up with these ideas that later he would put into, you know, put onto the page once more uh, in, in Hollywood. And one of the things that I want to write about in, the, in, the, uh, in that Yale Jewish Lives uh, uh, biography is that Wilder, like a lot of these transplants to Hollywood, and Otto Friedrich writes about a lot of them in City of Nets, uh, they, they, they frequently harken back to their to their European uh, so to their European uh, you know childhoods and the European sources. So he 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 writes, for instance, on Claude Anet. He has a profile of Claude Anet, whom he will whose whose work he will then adapt in in Love Love in the Afternoon. Again, one more time with 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 uh, his diamond. So. Um, the, the, you know, you can see how Wilder is, is beginning to build a great, you know, toolbox, so to speak, or foundation for a lot of the work that he would go on to do in, 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 in Hollywood. My, my suspicion is, though, he was not a note taker. He had such a, uh, an ability to schmooze that these ideas were macerating in his brain. And then all of a sudden, when he, then he would put it down on paper when he got the project. Is that correct? No, you're absolutely correct. And, 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 and uh, Wilder was a, a kind of a, a, a fidgety guy. He was a, a, an inveterate pacer. Um, he didn't sit still at all. And in fact, this was one of the reasons that Is Diamond was so important for him. I mean, Charlie Brackett before that, and there were a couple of other you know, collaborators in, in between, but Is Diamond was much more sedentary. So Wilder would pace around in their office that they shared like an old married couple and, 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 and would sort of, you know, at a mile a minute, would rattle off these different ideas and, and Is would sort of catch some of them and you know, transcribe them to paper and then they would talk it through and so forth. I'm, I'm really eager to interview is his son Paul Diamond who was a, a screenwriter as well uh, to learn a bit more but it was is his, his wife who also described their their working relationship in in, in other interviews um, and it went something like that where is was at the typewriter seated not moving around much and Wilder would just pace this is something all oh, by the way you know in in double indemnity this was something that drove Raymond Chandler to, to mm -hmm. distraction 
uh, quite famously, you know, Chan there was that, and, and Wilder also used to like to mix up a, a nice dry martini, uh, sometimes even before five o'clock, how scandalous. Um, and Chandler was doing his best uh, to, to, to abstain at that point and struggling terribly with that. Uh, yeah, given his, his, his capacity. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you're aware of it because Ed, Eddie Muller had pointed it out to me. Uh, when uh, Fred McMurray comes out of the out of the office, sitting on a bench waiting, is Raymond Chandler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to look very carefully, but he's right there. It's his cameo. Yeah. It's his sort of Hitchcock cameo. Maybe it's uh, Billy's way of saying thank you without saying thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was not a happy, happy uh, collaboration, that's for sure. Uh, to say the least, but but I tell you, the years with his diamond were mostly happy. And in fact, they're chronicled beautifully in, in this in this uh, in this new novel that I mentioned by Jonathan Coe, Mr. Wilder. I'll look for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go back to back to the very beginning uh, and talking about Billy. I, I, on page two of your book, you quote Audrey Wilder. Yeah. And for those of you who've never seen her, her right hand appears as the hat check girl in the uh, in the bar <laughs> in the Lost Weekend. Yeah. Only her right hand. Before they were married, he'd been dating Doris Dowling at the time. But uh, when he, uh, <laughs> God, I got, got I'm losing, so, lost track. Second, Audrey Wilder, second Audrey page. Audrey says, "What did she say about Billy?" Yeah. Oh, the Billy, Billy, Billy was Billy before. B Billy, Billy was acting like Billy Wilder before he was Billy Wilder. Yeah, Billy Wilder was Billy Wilder before. Yeah. Before he became yeah, Billy Wilder. Yeah, yeah like he's that. basically behaving like Billy Wilder before he before he became Billy. Which Wilder, I, so. I think you know, there's like this kind of impish. Oh, he was five eleven, but there's an impish quality about him. Very you much know, so. He was. People often think that he's much, much, much. You know, they think of him more like a Peter Lorre, who was his roomie, yeah. by the way. He he shacked up with Peter Lorre at the Hotel Ansonia in Paris. That's where a number of of. Uh, of, of uh, you know, refugees, those who were lucky enough to, to flee the Hitler regime, they landed in Paris and, 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 and checked up at the Hotel Ansonia, which I, I don't know, you would know better than I, Terrence, whether that's still... Uh, Sounds is like a, a New York hotel to is, me. Is around, no, no, but it was Ansonia. <laughs> that, that, that's, uh, don't know whether it still exists, but that is the name that it was given. And then they, they, they uh, were roomies in, in, in Los Angeles. And in fact, as the story goes, and you know, Hollywood, they're sometimes a bit more apt to print the legend than in other, <laughs> in other precincts. But uh, they, they, they were said to have occupied the antechamber to the woman's bathroom at the Chateau Marmont. Uh, Wilder and Peter Lorre. The point of that long-winded story is that I think people often think that, that, that Wilder is, is, is more diminutive in stature, like a Peter Lorre, but actually he was a full 5'11". Exactly. He just has that kind of impish way. And I think the impishness, by the way, comes, come, comes across on the page and, and on the screen. Um, and I think that's why people maybe, maybe think that about him. Well, I think the assignment, well, first of all, you know, he very, he moved well, he, he got to Berlin through Paul Whiteman. If ever there is an appropriately named yeah. guy, yeah. this is a guy to be blowing <laughs> jazz, man. Paul Whiteman is not the guy. But he, he gave, basically became his tour guide in Berlin and did publicity for him. Um, and then ultimately he got to Paris, uh, La Mauvaise Graine. And then finally he got to L.A. And unlike a lot of the people you've mentioned, I'm, I'm famous for my, I guess it was Otto Preminger, who's in the commissary and says, look, speak German, we're in America. Yeah. That's a great uh, line from the Otto Friedrich. I love it. He hears, he hears, it wasn't a commissary. Sorry, sorry. Let me just, we got to get this one sure. right because I, I love it so much, Terrence. If you'll just <laughs> indulge me for a moment. Absolutely. It's actually, I think it's at one of the sort of craps tables and, I, and, and he can't concentrate because there are a bunch of Hungarians. I don't know whether it's Michael Curtiz and his entourage or others mm -hmm. who are jabbering away in Hungarian and he stops them right there on the spot and says, 
all right, guys, don't you know, this is Hollywood, speak German. <laughs> and, I, and, you can, and you can hear Otto Preminger <laughs> saying that. But anyway, yeah, yeah, I, Michael, I, I, I love that scene. Yeah, from, Michael Cordon, from... speaking of Hungarians, yeah, yeah, he told yeah. me, he attributes it to his uncle Zoltan. Yeah. And who's going to argue? You know, I mean, everyone wants to claim the story. It's a yeah, great, of course. It's a, it, it's a great story. But the thing that I guess astonished me so much is Wilder's films, are, it's not about camera, it's about dialogue. And here's a guy that didn't speak any English when he came here. Right. And boom, he writes this crisp, witty, uh, dark, uh, cynical, mm -hmm. funny uh, a dialogue. Because uh, he knew there was, he wasn't going back to Europe. Correct. He knew what was happening. Yeah. He did, and he, you know, his mother was 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 still stranded. He had family that was still stranded. So during the war years, and was very aware. And in fact, he, uh, you know, I can't remember which interview it was in where he said they're they're, they're optimists and pessimists. He says the uh, the optimists died in the death camps. The pessimists now have uh, swimming pools in Beverly Hills in their backyards. Um, and he obviously was among the pessimists, and he hightailed it out of you know out of, out of Berlin. It's, it's really soon after the the, the Reichstag burning. Yeah, very very um, quickly. Yeah, and after you know Hitler's stunning ascent to power. Um, but 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 in terms of the language and look, this collection, I'm so lucky to have the very talented, award-winning translator Shelley Frisch, who renders Wilder's pro German prose into beautifully into, into English. But you can see. As a young man, you know, nineteen twenty and into his mid twenties, the writing you 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 can you you hear his voice, you can see that that impish wit, that mischief, the sort of the sly uh, uh, Wilder that we will then later see, and we will see that always in collaboration with an American-born, or in the case of his diamond, American-raised writing partner, so somebody who had essentially native fluency, so. He had that 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 sort of sparkling wit that we that we recognize in, in Wilder. That was all there, but he needed somebody to serve as something of a you know midwife or whatever you choose your metaphor. Um, but when getting that stuff onto the page, because he didn't feel that he had it, and you're absolutely right, he shows up in America with, according to Sikoff, and I can't remember the Solito corroborates this, but <laughs> but but you know about a, a few hands full of, of 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 English words to to his name. He just he just didn't didn't know the language. Right. Um, I mean, he uses it. It's funny. I was just thinking about this yesterday. We did a book uh, event at the Princeton Public Library yesterday evening, and 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 Shelley Frisch, the translator, mentioned that you know Wilder in, sometimes in Princeton, New Jersey. Yesterday. In Princeton, New Jersey, and to, I mean, we did virtually, of course. This is where we are right okay, now, as okay. you know. But virtually, no, I was not in Princeton. Okay, uh, and in fact, nobody was at the library these days. But so the point of the story was that Wilder occasionally will pepper his speech in these early writings with an English aside, American aside, you know, to show sort of his street smarts. But to me, I was thinking this through, and I think it's almost the way that in, you know, in New Yorkese or Brooklynese or whatever, people will pepper their speech with, you know, a Yiddishism here, a Yiddishism there. And he even, was doing even this. Even non-Jews. Yeah, exactly. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, no, no. Uh, in fact, <laughs> some non-Jews, some, some, some Gentiles have even better facility with Vocabulary Yiddish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, one of the great, uh, you know, one of the great ironies there. But, but, but in the in the Weimar years, you know, during this sort of reigning um, wave of what they called Americanismus, this Americanism that was really taking hold, dancing the Charleston, drinking, you know, going to cocktail bars, uh, boxing, and races, and 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 and, uh, and everything that sort of came to be to be associated with America. 
there was also you know the different the different figures of speech and and Wilder had those but he did not have facility with the English language and that came much later he listened to we were talking about the Bruins before he and I used to love to listen to uh, as an Angelino I, I when I couldn't attend the the UCLA Bruins basketball games I would listen to them on my transistor radio and I would listen to Chick Hearn's uh, uh, you know LA Lakers uh, 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 you know commentary. And Wilder purportedly learned much of his English listening to the radio to sportscasters. The speed with which they spoke, the cadences, the rhythms, the staccato speech, et cetera, et cetera. He used um, to wear a Brooklyn Dodger baseball cap. He, he, he loved yeah. baseball. He didn't yeah. play much in American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, baseball was definitely his, his, his love. I don't know. I, I gave you my anecdote of listening sure. to Laker, Laker games, but uh, I used to go to the Dodger games, too, uh, after they, you know, sadly left, uh, left Ebbets Field and made their way west. Sadly, for those Brooklynites, uh, and I spent twenty-three. Oh, I was one of them. Yeah, exactly. I spent twenty-three years in Brooklyn, so I feel deepest, deepest sympathy with my fellow Brooklynites. Um, but yeah, Wilder was a sportsman, and especially loved listening to the radio. And I, 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 I happen to, to, to share that love with him. It's, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lost art, but it's, it's, it's one that thankfully has not yet gone out of fashion entirely. And in the meantime, Terrence, as you surely know, probably better than anyone, the podcast is sort of making a nice, uh, making some inroads there, which is great, as far as yeah, I'm no, concerned. Absolutely, it's an opportunity for people to talk you know, where you don't have to be on KM, KMPX or whatever mm -hmm. the uh, yeah. sixty thousand watt station is that only has room for one one yeah. voice. So yeah. it's really it's it's really been great. I, I remember looking at the script of Double Indemnity where he. He gives the set designer, this, this wasn't Alexander Trauner, that was much later, mm -hmm. uh, instructions that uh, the house that the, the Didrikson lives in is early Spanish crapero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. early Spanish crapero. Yeah. This is, and, and yeah, this is not even quite a full decade since he's uh, you know, set, set foot on, on American soil. Right. Uh, and there he is already with that, 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 that wit. Yeah, um, no, he, was, he was totally at home. Yeah. I want to go back to a little bit of his early writing. Uh, there's, uh, he talks about cafes, and maybe we can discuss the difference between a, a Viennese or Berlin cafe and a Paris cafe. But he, but, he uses the word but, mm -hmm. and it uh, reminded me. So a woman once <laughs> said of me, uh, what did she say? Didn't, uh, didn't use the word but, it was implied. He's not without his charms. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Talk about the use of the word but and how it's, uh, he found humor in this word. Yeah, it's funny. I don't have a copy. I should have a copy of the book in front of me, but I believe the piece is on it. It's, it's objectivity, isn't it? That, that, I, I can't remember the, the the full title. You may have it in front so of you. It's on page fifty five. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, he, at, you know, all of these things. Well, you know, you know, Noah's a nice guy, but he's a little light on hair. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> this, this would be a guilty, wilderism. Guilty, guilty as charged as I'm massaging my bald well, yeah, yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah, it's not going to um, grow back. Yeah. But but uh, sure they'll come up with a, an invention before I before I uh, check out I hope anyway um, yeah he also I'm sorry yeah no 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 but that piece is, is 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 a wonderfully witty one I think it's nicely paired too um, with the one where he talks about the virtues of lying uh, right. the art the art of little ruses school um, school yeah you don't learn in school exactly that the, 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 the one ought to this ought to find its way into 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 the high school curriculum. Is teaching people how to lie, how to lie better. It's almost as if you took this from Oscar Wilde or someone. But but um, the, the the objectivity piece where he's talking about the butt. I mean, I think he's already on to the the different sort of snarky ways that people 
you know, uh, uh, talk trash about one another. Well, he'd, um, say, he'd said of Audrey when he was dead here, he said, I kiss the ground you, uh, you live on if you lived in a better neighborhood. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, with Audrey, I love, I love the, uh, the, the uh, what, what he, 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 you know, he would send telegrams, he would write to her, he would speak to her. But when he's in Paris, he'd been given that charge, as you presumably know this story, it's too good not to know, <laughs> but to Don't. get the Charvet ties. And, and, and to bring home a bidet. She wanted a bidet as well. They were beginning to kind of gain fashion and, and currency, I guess, in certain uh, Hollywood or Beverly Hills circles. And he sends home a telegram saying to Audrey, you know, got the Charvet ties. Uh, as for the, you know, no, no luck on the bidet. You're going to need to do a headstand in the shower, uh, is, yeah. is, 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 is his response. Um, and, uh, yeah. Now we could do I mean, a whole <laughs> show just on his one-liners. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had read, so this came across. It's funny on social media just recently. I, I did not know this line. I need to find out where, where it came, but it's too too great not to somehow include somewhere. It's a story of Billy Wilder at a at a Wagner concert, and he said, <laughs> uh, and, he, and he says, I went went to went to go see a Wagner concert. He said that that, that started at eight o'clock. I looked up my, my uh, looked up my watch uh, after four hours, and it was eight fifteen. <laughs> so, well, he also so, talked about. Uh, he, apparently, he was, was misidentified in, in a piece of work about the Passion Play. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, it turns out he wasn't a Nazi, but he was described as a former Nazi. And he says, "Oh yeah, I'm happy to see it as long as they use real nails. As long as they use real nails. That's a great line. It's a great line as well." And, and you, well, he also talks about books and uh, uh, going into a Texas bookstore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do you well, remember the story exactly? Yeah, 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 this is an imagined piece. I mean, he did this a couple right. a couple pieces where he's beginning, and this is, I think, also fascinating for us, for, 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 for uh, Anglo-American readers, is to see that he's beginning to kind of imagine his future in the United States, and he does so in a number of places. He does so in that piece on books, and this was... So this was a piece that appeared in the Querschnitt, as it's called. It's essentially the... You know, this is a, a, a highbrow literary magazine. He contributed contribute a few pieces, including this one here. And it's sort of the equivalent of, of The New Yorker, something like The New Yorker. Um, and Wilder kind of imagines, you know, what, what a Texan bookstore would, 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 would be like in that piece. There's the other piece where he also, and he imagined, you know, I think, you know, what, what, what booksellers are doing. It's, it's, it's on, I think, the art of, of, of bookselling, if I'm, if I'm remembering mm -hmm. things correctly. Uh, I haven't spent time with that piece uh, uh, recently, uh, so I need to refresh my memory. But it's basically about you know the the state of book selling in, in the early early uh, late late twenties, early. I think that piece appeared in in the thirties. In fact, I think that's one of the latest pieces in the collection. I think it appeared shortly before he hightailed it out of uh, out of Nazi engulfed uh, uh, Germany. Um, but there's another piece. I, I found the piece. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. It says in Texas, let's say uh, there may well be bookstores that don't operate in such a peaceful manner. As soon as a customer enters the shop, the door is locked from the inside. The seller puts the key into his pants pocket with a smile, and now the, and now the purchase begins. The poor man who has entered the shop to buy a timetable and was careless enough to leave his machine gun at home hardly, hardly stands a chance of getting back to the street alive without having purchased 50 books that he doesn't care a fig about or find interest in. I think Billy Wilder was already anticipating the open carry law in uh, <laughs> in, in in Texas. Um, 
Well, he probably and, you know, read Karl May as everybody yeah, did yeah, in Germany. Yeah, all the Germans did. Karl May was more or less the equivalent of Hardy Boys or Nancy Drew. And, and, and people just devoured those. those that, another case of imagined America. Uh, Karl never May, came ne to America. No, never, never came to America. He also was a big fan of Western movies. And let's face it, look, his name. He was born Samuel Wilder, Shmuel, I suspect. Shmuel. Uh, and and was given the name Billy by his mother, who'd seen the, the touring show of Buffalo Bill. So from the very beginning, he has a certain connection, I think, to Americana, if you like. Um, and thank you for reading that. I couldn't, there was no way, for the life of me, there was no way I was going to be able to give you... In uh, the light, uh, it's, it's getting dark here. I, just, yeah. <laughs> I was able to figure it out. No, but it, it just struck me, because, you know, we're in the book business, and so, you know, both of us in different capacities and yeah. love books, and... You know, the idea of walking, <laughs> parking yeah. a machine gun and walking into a bookstore, uh, you know, is just, you know, it, it's it's perfect uh, Wilder and Wilderian uh, yeah, humor. Yeah. Yes. Uh, let's I want to talk a little bit about someone that hasn't been mentioned in the book, but his relationship with Lubitsch, who yeah. I see Billy as God and he sees Lubitsch as God. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, he, you know, famously, he, he kept in his Beverly Hills office, he kept that sign designed by Saul Bass. Saul Saul Bass, Saul Bass designed it. Saul Bass, who did the credits, who did the, who did, was a great, okay, great credit, credit designer. Okay, we, yeah, yeah, we'll verify you know, that. For instance, yeah, yeah, who, you know, who did the verdict among many, No, I know what he's done. Great, yeah, great yeah, yeah. Uh, titles. Uh, he designed this, this, this uh, sign that he displayed prominently in his office and emblazoned upon the sign was, what would Lubitsch do? Um, and in the collection is a very, very short and witty, witty sort of uh, 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 reenactment of a casting, a casting that I think the young Billy Wilder imagined. Uh, but, 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 you know, he, 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 in that piece, important for us right now, I think, Terrence, is that he refers to Lubitsch as the, you know, the great American uh, director. And when, 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 and, you know, he was Berlin born, of course, uh, but the great American director and, 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 you know, Wilder too would go through a certain, you know, kind of baptism by fire and 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 would naturalize an American citizen and become, in certain respects, more American than his fellow Americans. Um, but one of the points that I'd like to make with respect to, to Lubitsch is that, as you know, Wilder, as you rightly put it, you know, he Lubitsch was his god, and 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 as soon as he kind of got going with Charlie Brackett, son of a New York State senator, uh, much more conservative than than Wilder, he was part of the Algonquin Circle. Was a was a you know New Yorker, a drama critic for a time, um, but when he started to collaborate with with Charlie Brackett, uh, they immediately found their way to Lubitsch, and they did uh, blue, the script. Uh, well, they were both the script, in Paramount. They were all in yeah, Paramount. Yeah, all, all, all there. So so, he, <clears> but but as quickly as I'm sure as quickly as, as Wilder could figure a way, and he would you know he was known to be able to talk his way into anything. And in fact, many of the pieces in the in the collection. Those are interviews that he managed to talk his way into, whether it's Asta Nilsson or whether he's, you know, interviewing uh, 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 Cornelius Vanderbilt or whether he's interviewing the Prince of Wales. Uh, Wilder it, had Adolf Manjou, exactly. For, for, like for, for instance, uh, uh, exactly, and 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 it's all about the sartorial habits of these. And, and Wilder was very, as you know, very natty dresser, and you can see it in some of the. In, in, the you, met, you mentioned Paul Paul Whiteman. There's a wonderful uh, uh, photograph of him with Paul Whiteman shortly before he traveled to Berlin with Whiteman, um, and you can see him kind of emulating. That 1920s, that sort of roaring 20s American style of dress, snap rim hat, of course, uh, and the sort of the cockiness, that swagger uh, that I think he very, very much admired. As for Lubitsch, you know, 
he got to him as quickly as he could. And they, together with Charlie Brecker, they furnished the script for Luger's Eighth Wife. And then, of course, Ninochka. And so with this was Walter, a, Walter Rice, I believe, right? He had a key, exactly. Key, I think yeah. it's a, yeah, 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 yeah. Walter Rice, I think, is at least at least there was one other. I believe it was Rice, and there may have even been a second. Well, no, Look, additional this, dialogue, this is, this, I guess. This was stu- exactly. This is a studio system. So there are sometimes invisible hands, uh, as we know, uh, that you know sprinkled some pixie dust dust on the script. But um, the 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 time with Lubitsch is the point that I've been struggling to make is that. It was a, a, an apprenticeship of sorts. And so working with Lubitsch prepared Wilder for making that transition when he wanted to have greater creative control and wanted no longer to see his scripts get butchered by some other director. Pull back the when, dawn, when, you're referring to. When he took, when he took the lead. Well, that's with Mitchell Eisen. And, he, and, and, then, and, then, and then finally, the major and the minor is his directorial debut, the, 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 the Ginger Rogers picture. Um, and he, he he tells how he went to go see see Lubitsch, and he says, you know, I'm going I'm going to make this movie, and you know, I'm I'm, I'm shitting myself, uh, worrying about making this movie. And Lubitsch says, you know, I I, I I've made however many movies, I, I shit myself every day or whatever. Some some <laughs> some, some lines. He shies me. He shies me even talking to who he says. He says, I you know, I shit my pants every day. Um, as the son of a gastroenterologist, I love that sort of potty humor. So that really is very important to me. It was a, it was a great. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. 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 No, it's a great line in, in early in that film when she gets a few. Well, when she gets on the train uh, and she's supposed to be fourteen or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the conductors look at her and said, uh, "My God, aren't you kind of tall for 14? And she says, "I'm Swedish. Yeah. Say something in Swedish." Yeah. I want to be alone. That's it is a beautiful I mean, it moment. Just, it's it's a it beautiful also, moment. There's a scene in Anatchka which I'm guessing that he wrote when uh, Greta goes into the restaurant this kind of working man's restaurant. And she says to the, uh, to the waiter owner, I'd like some field greens and lettuce. He looks at her and says, Madam, this is a restaurant, not a meadow. I'll get you a proper lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I, I, that to me had to be Billy's line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, and by, yes. And, and, the, and, the, and the Grand Hotel quotation is most certainly Billy's line. And, and, you know, and Wilder, by the way, a contemporary of his, someone he no doubt knew, whether it was from Salka Viertel Salon in mm-hmm. Santa Monica or whether it's from the old country, but Vicky Baum, who wrote that wonderful novel that was then adapted to the screen in the award-winning production, you know, Wilder not only knew Baum, but of course knew many people uh, 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 who were connected with the production. That, that, that sort of wit, that sort of quotation, I want to be alone, that definitely came from his. There's no question. I think oh, you're yeah. probably right about Ninochka as well. It's tricky. Look, in these collaborative, I remember trying to disentangle all sorts of things in the Casablanca script, which was, oh my God, that was, that was, that was, uh, the Epstein you know, lunatics. Split, split, splitting hairs. And I wanted to credit them, credit them properly with, with, with so much of the humor. But Howard Koch, even though the Epsteins, you know, first Howard Koch dismissed them and their involvement, and then they in turn, uh, you know, tried to, I think, minimize his involvement. It's always so, so hard in Hollywood, especially during the studio era, to give, you know, proper credit when these scripts, as we were saying moments ago with the question of Walter Reich, when they were being, you know, they would go through so many different hands, and in some cases people would earn a credit, in other cases they wouldn't. Um, and as for the humor with Wilder, I mean, I think that readers of Billy Wilder on assignment, and this is not merely a shameless plug, but admittedly it is, partly a plug. What's um, the name of that book when, again? <laughs> Billy Wilder on assignment. Go get it at your local bookstore. 
It's um, available now. Yeah, it is available now. It came out yesterday. Anyway, when you read that, you're going to hear his voice and you'll get that sense of humor in its, in its earliest, you know, sort of uh, uh, stages. And you will see that the lines that you just, you know, line that you reference from Ninochka or whether it's also in the major and the minor, you, you, I think you can identify it as a, as, as a wilder line, even if it got touched up by his American-born counterpart, uh, Charlie Brackett, in the case of, uh, of, of uh, well, in both cases, they collaborated in both. They collaborated on the Ninochka script. They also collaborated on uh, the major and the minor. No, I love that. I love that film for, for many, many reasons. Oh, you, you mentioned uh, Casablanca. So Billy Wilder on assignment, uh, a, a good way to get started for those who have not become Vildernians yet, but who, yeah. Will, yeah, who will be, no, no doubt. Uh, I, I, oh, that, that crazy <laughs> lady that wrote, no, no, to round up the usual... Round up the usual... Yeah, Al Jean Hamid. We traveled Argy to Morocco together. Yeah. Did you really? I didn't, I didn't find it crazy at all. We had a great time together. Well, no, her we name is great... crazy. Na the name, <laughs> the name. Yeah, she, she, she is an extraordinary writer. She was a, a, an L.A.-based, uh, you know, uh, contributor to the Times for many, many years. She wrote mm -hmm. a lot of obits. She did a wonderful production history of The Wizard of Oz and then also She did Castle a little bit on Billy Wilder, I think, in The New York Times. I think you are correct. She was still yeah. writing, writing obits. I think you are indeed correct. And she wrote Round Up the Usual Suspects, which formed, to a large degree... Uh, the foundation for, for for my book because a number of the people that she had the the good fortune of interviewing they were long past by the time that I I wrote mine I conducted a bunch of new interviews and interviews especially with offspring with the children of of various people involved in the production but I couldn't interview either of the Epstein twins couldn't interview Howard Koch couldn't interview the uh, the cast members and in fact during the process the very last uh, surviving cast member Madeleine Lebeau from your neck of the woods. Delio's, uh, Marcel Delio's ex wife. Exactly, his wife. They, they, I think they filed for divorce during the production. Um, but yes, yes, they were they were married when they made their way out of uh, Nazi-occupied Paris and followed a very similar refugee trail that's outlined in the film. Um, Madeleine Lebeau died in the summer of 2016 in this Spanish coastal town. And, and was written up all over Paris, in particular, the, the culture minister of Paris. Um, oh, God, I wish I could give you her name right now, but I can't. Oh, you're thinking of Jack Lang at the time? No, 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 no. Uh, Azile, Azule, I think Azule is her last name. Well, it could be. She's an yeah. Algerian Jewish name. Exactly, Azule. She wrote that forever Madeleine Lebeau will be remembered as the face of the resistance, of course, because mm -hmm. she sings La Marseillaise. In 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 Rick's Cafe, in that famous scene when they drown out the Wacht am Rhein, and tears go streaming down, and those are not, you know, nobody came there with an eyedropper and put tears into her eyes. Not only was she weeping during the filming of that scene, but many of the extras who had themselves fled the Nazis were we weeping during the singing of of La Marseillaise. Um, Somehow we got to Casablanca. We all paths well, we eventually, we, all, we all paths to eventually lead to Casablanca. Well, so. my mother is from Casablanca. I'm half Sephardic on my mother's side, so wow. there is a, a definite connection to me and in, in, in that film. That's uh, much much better much better table for the Passover seder. That's for sure. I love the Sephardic. Yeah, spread. and much also I have a connection to uh, Billy Wilder through Doris Dowling, who dated my uncle Leo Furstenberg, who was the uncredited bailiff in On the Waterfront. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, I'm You're reaching, from royalty. For, You're reaching from royalty. for that one. Yeah, that's no, great. This, this has been great. I know you have another appointment. I do. Uh, but we'll get together again and talk about uh, about Casablanca, among other things. I look forward to some like it hot. I know the Jewish Lives thing will be on my desk because I have friends at Yale. 
They in agreed. London. They said yeah. they send me books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They go they go both places. Yeah, yeah. They have the, so yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's worked out beautifully. Uh, final thought on, on Billy. What should uh, what's your what's your proudest uh, emotion around this this book? And what do you hope that people will take from it? My emotion. It's funny, and I I, I, I I'm thinking of my my mother uh, when I say this. I, I'm just quelling. I'm quelling with joy. I mean, I really it is. It's so exciting to see these. And thanks, 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 thanks to Shelley Frisch. I just I can I cannot thank her enough. The translator, because I've done translation. I don't like it. I'm not very good at it. Uh, I translated a, a, a work of Arnold Zweig called the Ostjudische Antlitz, the face not, not of Stefan Zweig. No, no, no relation. But they're often <laughs> thought of as being related. I wish I had translated Stefan Zweig. It would have been more enjoyable. Uh, but anyway, thanks to Shelley Frisch, it's now available, and I am just yes, quelling with joy that 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 people who are in this increasingly monolingual monolingual world of of the United States. Uh, um, they now finally are able to read this. They have access to it, which is great. And well, boy, I want, I want us to learn more foreign languages, but that's another well, matter. I, I, I feel won't get in, up on in my a sense that I'm responsible for the, uh, the uh, renaissance of Yiddish. I interviewed <laughs> Michael Schneerson about Bugsy Siegel. Melissa Clark at the New York Times, we were like immediate buddies after two minutes. We spread so much Yiddish. <laughs> and at the end of the program, I will repeat right now, for those of you who don't have my email address and need the answers to some of these words like felling, I suggest Leo Rostin's The Joys of Yiddish, <laughs> there or you go. here in France, Les Joies de Yiddish, which I gave to my non-Jewish son-in-law. There so you go. Uh, the Yiddish will come back. Yeah, uh, yeah. Congratulations. Rostin, that you're absolute, my absolute pleasure. You're, you're most welcome, Terrence. And uh, good plug of the, of the Leo Rostin Joys of Yiddish. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it does, and sit down with a bottle of Shiner Bach while you're doing it. <laughs> there we go. Take Don't good go. care. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, and please share your comments and suggestions at terrence at paris-expat.com. That's T-E-R-R-A-N-C-E at paris-expat.com. And visit paris-expat.com to sign up for my five weekly newsletters about the City of Light. Until next time, à bientôt à Paris.